looking crafty. You could make a raft out of pencils and foam. You sure looking happy. Hello. Hi there. Uh, this is episode number 29. That is correct. I didn't even guess because I read. <laughs> you checked. <laughs> Good job. I did. Um, I went to college. I'm pretty proud of it. I <laughs> learned to read. It's pretty cool. Um, anyway, yes. Hi, my name is Miranda. I'm Eileen. And this is the Stitchcraft Podcast. Again, episode number 29. Woo-hoo. So, um, Eileen, I'm going to ask you, what's in your cup? And I'm just going to dive right in. We're going to dive right in because your cup is really pretty and no one can see it, but you better have an Instagram moment of this later. Oh, that's an excellent point, and I will take a picture of it now, just so that I don't forget, with all of the uh, beautiful recording equipment scattered around it, but whatever. <laughs> okay, so um, what I am drinking uh, doesn't really have a name. It I found it on uh, David Leibovitz's website, um, and I found it because I was specifically looking for something to do with my leftover cranberries from Thanksgiving. Yes, they were still in my fridge because wonder of wonders, fresh cranberries don't go bad. They really do not go bad uh, very often. And I just realized the microphone was pointed away from my face, so I'm facing it toward me now. That is good. Great. I We've done this before. <laughs> Anyway, um, so I, yes, I had food in my fridge from Thanksgiving, that is correct, and (laughs) I had about a a cup of cranberries left over, and I've been working really hard at not throwing food away, Um, which is not to say that, like, I won't throw, throw food away if it's bad, but I've been trying to buy food that I am going to eat, and then eat the food, and not contribute to food waste. So, um, I remembered that pretty much every fruit that I have ever had turned into a shrub, like when you make a shrub out of it, which is a drinking vinegar, mm-hmm. I've liked pretty much everything that I've ever had that was like that. It, that flavor really works for me. So I looked up the recipe for a cranberry shrub, which took me to David Leibovitz's website in which he not only gives you directions about how to make a shrub, but also how to make a bourbon-based cocktail from that shrub. And that is what I am having here. So I guess he calls it cranberry shrub cocktail, which is not, you know, there's got to be a better name for it someplace. But must be, yeah. But it's pretty. Yes, thank you. So um, if you go, if seriously, if you just Google cranberry shrub, the first thing that is going to pop up is um, his website, and the instructions for that tell you to basically, just like if you were making like a cranberry sauce, you just boil cranberries with um, water and sugar, and in his recipe, you also add allspice berries, but you could add any other seasoning that you happen to really like with cranberries. Then um, when all the cranberries have burst, you sieve out all of the solids and mix in some apple cider vinegar, and that's your shrub. And um, I've made shrubs before, and usually they take a bit longer to do because you kind of let the fruit macerate in the vinegar, but this time you don't have to do that. So you can just like mix it up and instantly it's ready. And then um, for the cocktail itself, you mix 
two ounces of bourbon or your brown liquor of choice, and I had a, a Cedar Ridge bourbon aged in port barrels. Um, so two ounces of that with three quarters of an ounce of the cranberry shrub, a teaspoon of maple syrup, and three drops of your favorite cocktail bitters. And the ones that I use were actually once another old ass thing I had in the house were um, the bitters that Mike gave me that were his homemade bitters from like two or three years ago. Um, so I mixed that all together. And if you follow the directions on the website for the proportions of the cocktail, it fits perfectly into a classic coupe glass, like perfectly where it comes like right up to the tippy top, but not over and not so high that you can't pick it up and take a sip. It is nice. Which I think is done because in the recipe, you're also supposed to garnish it with cranberries, but I didn't do that. I just used all the cranberries in the recipe. Um, but yeah, so it is uh, really delicious. Highly, highly recommend. Two awesome things about it as well. Number one, all the solids that you sieve out from making the shrub, you can still eat, you know. So it basically makes like a cranberry jelly, which I, or jam. It's not jelly, it's jam. Um, but I had that on toast this morning for breakfast. So that was good. Double feature. I know. Or is this a triple play? <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> it's only two. And I got two things. Um, and that's probably, you can also use it in a fruit crisp if you want to. Like if it's other fruits, like you made a strawberry one. The strawberries after that are kind of ugly, but you can still put them in a baked good and nobody's going to care how ugly they were after they were macerated. Um, and the other good thing about a shrub is that if you are a person who does not drink alcohol for whatever reason, nice. all you do is you take the shrub and you mix it with sparkling water to your personal taste preference. And then you basically have a homemade soda, a homemade soft drink. Um, and I find it really, really nice because like I said, that, that, apple cider or white wine vinegar flavor when it's diluted out um, just adds a nice edge to the flavor that you might otherwise get with alcohol, but no booze in it at all. Um, so it's super nice if you're having a party and you want people to feel like they all get to have a fancy cocktail, but, you know, they're not drinking for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, and I would also recommend that for like you know how when you have like baby showers and things like that, or even like a work event where like it's not appropriate to drink. I think like having something that's made that isn't like a Trader Joe's Italian soda as your fanciest option. Like this is really delicious. One of my um my, one of my friends here in town, she does a um a sparkling water bar. But I think this would be a welcome addition to that because it's kind of like a fancier soda. I like that exactly. a lot. Exactly. Um, so it, it works really well, and um, you can modify it for any sort of uh, flavors that you happen to like, and it's super easy to do. Very good. Yeah. Good stuff. So what are you having? Well, I'm... I've saved a beer from Big Grove, um, a real nice surprise. I was, I've been holding on to some beers for the right moment in time. Um, so, yeah, this is from Big Grove Brewery in Iowa City. Um, it is a New England-style double IPA. 
But it's, it's a really adorable title, A Real Nice Surprise. Because it's from Christmas Vacation, right? Like that. Yes, title. it is. And so there's like a little like flappy-eared hat on the label. It's really cute. It's pretty cool. And um, the Big Grove tall can beers that they sell, because these are kind of like their limited edition ones. It's not a full tall can. I believe that in Hong Kong we call them king cans, because they're like, what is it, 16 ounces? It's a solid pint, you know? It's a pint glass, but that's kind of all you need sometimes. Or if you're like me, I took a little too hard this Saturday with my party pants and uh, pulled a straight-up amateur hour and uh, hurt myself. So <laughs> I am I am crawling back to society right now with one beer. <laughs> I went dancing. I learned my lessons during a blizzard. <laughs> but but um, did you learn a lesson, really? I did. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because whenever I say I learned my lesson, that it's rarely true. I almost never learn a lesson. One, I'm not as young as I used to be. So guess what? Hangovers are two days now. I haven't had a two-day hangover, and I just had one. So I had a moment of, wow, I need to work out more to up my metabolism so that I don't get in this kind of pain again. Like, I'm definitely not not good. Um, the other thing about it is... Uh, I saw the resilience of Minnesotans during a blizzard, stayed out li- outside in line, online, to get into this VFW hall, which is a really cool VFW hall. It's not just like, you know, old and, you know, cheap beer. Busted, yeah. Beer. No, it's like Thurston Moore plays there. Like, it's a really nice VFW hall. Um, but they had a dance night, and I couldn't believe it. We, me and my girlfriends, we were kind of early birds, and we showed up there right at 10 when it opened, and... The line was so long behind us in a blizzard condition. People were just, like, getting battered in the face with snow. And I was like, wow, we all have this kind of cabin fever. that We'll come out here in, in uh, you know, one-inch-an-hour snow. So, like, that is this. <laughs> wild. It was pretty wild. So, sorry, I'm, like, rambling on, but I definitely had a good time. It was great. But it's uh, it was one of those moments where I was like, I'm old. So, cool. <laughs> Dancing is cool. Drinking, not cool. So just fucking slow it down and just enjoy yourself. <laughs> but oh, good times. Um, so yeah, I'm having a beer today, feeling okay about it. But nice. uh, I'm, that's why I'm like, it's even better when you when you hold out on having a nice beer and you kind of wait to enjoy it. So it's not a part of like, oh, I'm going to drink a bunch of beers tonight. This is like the one beer, and I'm pretty happy with that. Back good. Then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that took way too long to say I'm drinking a beer, but <laughs> so here we go. Um, so what's your works in progress? What you working on? Well, I have a couple of works in progress. I am still working on my penny cardigan, which, um, is from Wool and the Gang. And that was the one that I bought with the, um, gift card to Wool and the Gang that you gave me for Christmas or my birthday? I can't remember which holiday it was, but I remember you gave it to me. Actually, no, it's not Christmas. Crappers, I think it was your birthday. There was a time where we were celebrating a thing, and you gave me a present, and that's what it was. I think it was your birthday. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, so I have been um, working on that, um, and I had to, so I really like it. I'll say that. It's made out of uh, shiny, happy wool. Um, which is or shiny, happy thought, wool, shiny, happy cotton, yeah. which normally I would not be that happy about because I typically don't love uh, knitting with cotton. I find it 
kind of stiff and difficult to, um, it's, it's just tough on my hands. But um, this one is gentler on my hands and uh, the, the gauge that you knit at is really loose because the cardigan is a gingham cardigan. So you, um, you weave the gingham into it after you knit the whole thing. So in order to be able to weave, you have to knit at a looser gauge. That also makes it better. Well, that explains when you were, the last time we spoke about it, you were saying like it was extra long because you were mm-hmm. like, well, what is this? I didn't block, you know, I didn't measure myself correctly, but it's because it's going to get denser as you do the cross, you know, weaving. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's the expectation. Actually, I went back and double checked my gauge and the recommended gauge, and I'm not getting the recommended gauge exactly, but um, I'm still pretty happy with what the outcome is going to be, so I'm cool with it. Um, I mean, maybe blocking might also help. Yeah, we'll see. I actually don't remember, and I don't have the pattern with me right now, I don't remember if you're supposed to, um, I know you knit all the pieces, and then I think you're supposed to do all the weaving and then block it because obviously you would um, expect the blocking to change the yarn that you're weaving with as well as the yarn that you're weaving into. But like I said, I don't have the pattern in front of me, so I'm not sure if that's correct. Um, But anyway, um, the fact that it is uh, something you're going to weave into afterward means that it is super quick to knit. Like it's really, it's speedy. The yarn is big anyway. The yarn is like an Aran weight yarn, so it's not quite a chunky weight, but it's close. And then, um, you know, so that makes the knitting faster and you're knitting at a bigger gauge than you normally would. So I don't know if the weaving is what's going to really <laughs> slow me down <laughs> or what, but I'm cool with that. Um, I'm open to it and I love the colors together. So um, the the pattern is like, if you look at the, the glamour shots for their website, um, it's done in a red and white and a yellow and white, which is super cool. And it makes it look very um, backyard. Yeah, backyard picnic vintage. Red. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I was a little worried that that would also become very hard to wear as a person who is almost 40. Um, and... Yeah, you know, I'm not saying that people who are older can't wear whatever the hell they want. Like, everybody can wear whatever the hell they want. But I was not comfortable with that for me. So um, we had looked at the colors and picked out uh, Cameo Rose and Bizarre Orange. And the orange is like um, a slightly muted orange. Um, So it's a true orange, but it's muted. And then the Cameo Pink sounds like what you, or Cameo Rose is, is a blush pink type thing like you would expect. So when you put the two of them together, um, it's the contrast is high enough that you can see everything, but it doesn't look like cartoony and twee, basically. Yeah. So. Well, can I add to that? Um, we've been looking, I say we, but I work at a company that has trend services and, you know, anybody who's out there can look at this kind of stuff, but the colors that you have are actually going to just get bigger with time. Like, next year is going to be a lot of, they're calling them new neutrals. So, like, interesting takes on, you know, cream are a little bit more pink in tone. You know, earth colors are going to be a little bit more red. Like, it's kind of cool. So I think Actually, you're, gonna, like, you're right on time, you know? With I think I did see something like that about, like, terracottas and stuff. So, yeah. 
So that's cool. Um, but like I said, I set that aside because, um, and I feel, normally I would not do this, but I feel fairly comfortable that the person that I am making this for does not listen to this podcast because she's a new mom and I suspect that she is um, basically doing everything she can to keep her job going as well as raising her kid. <laughs> it's really crazy. Anytime my friend of mine has a baby, I'm just like, how are you alive? Yeah. How are you keeping everything alive? I can't, oh God, it's such a crazy thing. It really just turned your world upside down. But um, yeah, so if she's not listening, that's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, so I can tell you what I'm making for her. Yes. Um, so uh, she and her husband have a really, uh, a sense of humor that's very similar to mine. They are not precious. They are not... Um, I don't know. They're not easily offended. They're very not easily offended. Um, so um, I was talking to one of our mutual friends <clears throat> about what I was making for the kid. And he was like, God, I hope it's a Cthulhu onesie. And I was like, oh, if only such a pattern existed. Um, but I didn't want to make anything for the child that would be um, uh something that they would grow out of because I was worried that number one, the, both of the parents are pretty tall. So the kid is already uh, disproportionately sized for his age. And, or would you say that's like the, the upper percentile or something like that? Is that yeah, what whatever it is they say, like the, the kid is slightly larger than you would expect the kid to be for the age that the kid is. And that's only going to continue because both parents are tall. So I didn't want to make something for them that, uh, was going to be the wrong size by the time it got there or that the kid was going to like grow out of or that would be seasonally inappropriate because I wouldn't finish it until the weather where they are started to warm up, blah, blah, blah. So I opted for a baby blanket. Nice. And I am making a blanket from Doomsday Knits, which is unfortunately out of print, but it was from Cooperative Press. And... Um, the pattern is called Baby's First Principles. It's a pattern by Amy Manning. And I don't know if you'll be able to see this, but it's a, a color work blanket that has um, several different motifs in it. So it starts off in the center as a square field of uh, radiation trefoils. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's the radiation symbol over and over again. I like it. And then there's a ring around that of uh, skulls. And then the ring around that is of a stick figure running. So the idea is, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so the idea is that no matter what time in the future this blanket is found, uh, whether or not you speak the same language as the person who made it, it's all, it tells you a story in pictograms, which is that if you run into the radiation symbol, that will kill you and you should run away from that place <laughs> i mean can can i can i correct this for a second absolutely I, actually sorry correcting is the wrong choice of words i have a question okay it's a baby blanket shouldn't they be crawling away that well an excellent point but also i think this is excellent and i cannot wait for the parents to repurpose this somewhere in their lives as a lap blanket as a right. wall hanging a back, I hope they use it as the backdrop for those photos where, like, the baby holds a sign that says three months. Like, yes. Oh, that would be so good. Um, 
And I was just thinking, you know, you and I were, I, I, I don't, I didn't really attach much to a blanket, but you had a blanket that you carried with you for a long time. And you definitely got to running age with that blanket. Oh, I, it's still here. It's still in a trunk at mom's house. Fluffy How would you know? It literally looks like a pile of lint. How would you know it's a blanket? <laughs> don't speak ill of Fluffy. <laughs> Nothing like having a blanket called Fluffy that wasn't fluffy at all. And uh, and then my teddy bear, Nina Fuzzball. But anyways. <laughs> Nina Fuzzball? I Nina forgot Fuzzball. her full name. With her zippable fur. Anyways, <laughs> she could take her fur off and wear pajamas. It was great. Anyways, that was a really, maybe this is where I started my interest in fashion. It was like zippable fur. Customizable bear. Anyways, but I feel like Blankets do hang for a long time. Chris found, uh, not found, his mom gave him his baby blanket when we were packing up to move to Minneapolis. And it's so, like, so, like, perfect 70s, like, yellow, orange, red, brown. Like, it's, and it's done in, like, a beautiful crochet zigzag. Yeah, like a rickrack. Oh, it's a total rickrack with fringe. Oh, it is made Uh of like yarn it is filled with scratches oh it is made for a bad time and nothing to nothing to hold a baby in like it, god bless her but she made it anyways chris's mom made it um but Tubi, our dog is obsessed with it because it smells like baby crabs and like you know this is garbage <laughs> what's that and garbage Oh, I wasn't ready to cackle yet. Okay, anyways, um, someone told me, by the way, sorry, total, total side note, someone told me that when they listen to our podcast, it's like we're in their kitchen with them, hanging out and drinking. So I was like, okay, word. So <laughs> I can, I can I completely want. embrace that. That's fine with me. Totally fine. Yep. Um, but anyways, I'm just saying, like, baby blankets, they last. They last beyond, they, they surprise us all. Anyways, yes. you're holding the baby blanket, and it looks amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, look at that. So I've made about a, I don't know, six inch square so far. So cool. And I am making it out of, this is another one of my efforts to um, use the things I have rather than going to buy more stuff, even though the colors that I have don't perfectly match exactly what the pattern calls for. And if I had my druthers, the colors would be slightly different, but like, who knows what the baby will like. Maybe the baby would have hated the colors that I would have picked anyway. So, hey, we're just, they're going to get what they get. So, um, what I'm using is um, Plucky Knitter Cozy. And it is, I think, 90% wool, like merino, and 10% camel. Oh. And it is so soft. Oh, my God. It's so soft. And, of course... It's discontinued. I am so sad. You have enough? This is the... Oh, I have enough for the blanket. Okay, this is the suspenseful moment. I'm like, do you have enough? (laughs) Yeah, this is... So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do now, because I just want everybody to know that I'm owning it in advance, and you can't shame me, because I'm not ashamed of this. Um, So this yarn is discontinued, and I did buy... A fair amount of it when it was available, um, not because I knew it was being discontinued, but because I really love making things with it. So last year when I made all those um, 
mittens for my um, old book club uh, pals, um, like 50 or 60, I want to say 50%, 75% of the ones that I made were from this yarn. Like I just love working with it. Um, So what I'm going to do, because I'm also trying not to buy stuff that I don't need and can't use, is that I am definitely going to go on Ravelry to trade for it. So I have other things that are quite nice um, that I want less than I want that. Um, or at least that's what I think right now. So I'm gonna, I have told myself that I'm going to make this baby blanket and I'm also going to knit a couple other things with what I have. And then if I still really feel like I really want more of this discontinued yarn, then I will go on to Ravelry and uh, trade with people because I'm sure there will be people who want some of the things that I have. So nice yes so it is lovely it's super soft and um for color work it actually knits up fairly quickly you know because it's you know stockinette and also i really enjoy it so it just sort of like is this meditative thing and you can kind of read the pattern as it grows and yeah so that is what i set aside the cardigan for and i'm super happy with that and then i have one final thing and this is actually something that um a listener requested that i talk about which is um, the the beeswax wraps that I made. The beeswax wraps, um, I have to, number one, give a thank you to uh, my friend Liz, who has a shop on Etsy called Iowa Sewn. I-O-W-A-S-E-W-N. She does um, little embroidery pieces and bigger embroidery pieces that are super beautiful. Um, but she had posted on her Instagram feed um, the process for making these beeswax wraps. So um, essentially all you do is take a piece of fabric and the recommended fabrics are like old bed sheets. Like you want something that's soft and and flexible. Um, And it's nice if it's cotton, but it could be anything, but the cotton um, absorbs the beeswax pretty well. And so you just take pinking shears so that it won't fray and cut it in whatever shape you want. I was very boring and made squares and rectangles, but you can make whatever shape you want. And then you melt beeswax and brush it onto the fabric and kind of let it soak into the fabric, and then you're done. Um, I did mine in a way that I would not recommend everybody else do. Um, So what I did is I went online and I saw, I want to say like The Kitchen or some other website had a thing where they said, oh, if you buy these beeswax beads, like little tiny beads of beeswax. You just sprinkle the beads all over the fabric, pop it in your oven um, at like 200 degrees, bring that out and then brush it across the surface of the fabric to make sure that it's all over. Um, And then you don't have, you have less mess to clean up. Um, And it certainly was not messy. My method was not messy, but it was really slow because I never guessed the right amount of beads per the amount of fabric that I wanted. No, it's interesting because every fabric is different absorbance, you know, like different absorbency. So like, depending on what you need, you might need a lot, you might need a little. Because it's just like bed sheets, if they're really old and vintage, they're pretty thin. You don't need a whole lot. But if it's a new fabric, you probably need a lot more. Yeah, and I was using new fabric because we didn't have any bed sheets that we didn't actually need for beds. And I also had gotten really enamored of the fabrics at my local fabric store. (laughs) 
So I posted them on the Instagram side, but they were basically one was um, a white fabric with um, cat faces all over it that were tessellating repetitive cat faces. And every once in a while, the cat had its eyes closed and it said meow underneath. And then the other one was a sort of farm scene that had pigs and cows and, you know, various other barnyard animals on it. Um, So I think two things about that were not ideal. One, the fabric is new, so it was not very soft. It was not very thin, so you need more wax. And what that means is that the fabric itself now doesn't really, like, fold over to accommodate the things I want it to fold over very easily. So if I have a bowl, like the the beeswax wraps that you purchase, if you have a bowl and you put the wrap over the top, the fabric is so thin that it like stays sort of in the shape you put it in. The fabric on these is so new that it wants to pop back into its original shape. Oh, okay. So it works totally fine for keeping stuff in the fridge because when you cover things to put them in the fridge, you're mostly just covering them and it doesn't really matter if it's sealed tight because right you know but if you wanted to make something that was really going to replace saran wrap in your life I would recommend going to a thrift shop and buying old sheets or from your own house like if you have sheets that you're just like not in love with or they have holes or whatever use those because they are far more likely to do to behave the way that the beeswax wraps that you purchase would behave. I will also recommend one other fabric that is new, but maybe might work a little better for some people. Um, I would recommend two, actually it's two fabrics. One would be if you go to your fabric store and you want to have a new one because like some people are real averse to like vintage repurposing, which I get it, but I would buy a cheaper muslin it's called m-u-s-l-i-n and that's something that we would you know, muslin is like a fabric that um, a lot of people make their block patterns from and they they do initial draping or maybe they use it as the backing on a quilt but it's really um loose in some ways like some of them can be really dense and then other times when it's certain quilting weights it can be really loose and so that might fold a little better because it's pretty drapey but go cheaper on this one because That'll help. And then the other thing I would recommend is um, maybe a linen shirt or a linen blend. Because those things are naturally pretty open. And I'm not, I don't know if the wax will hold great to them, but the thing is, is that they are flexible from the start. If you needed, if you were like, I can't do this vintage repurpose thing. I'm just trying to think of like how I could get a few Yeah, I think the idea with the bed sheets is that it's a tight weave. But the fabric yeah. itself is thin. Right, because it's le- legitimately has worn away over time. Like, the filaments have been rushed down with yep. wear. No, and I, I think the bed sheets are probably the best ones out there. And I have, I think it's Bees Wrap is the brand that I'm mm-hmm. using right now. But they're kind of on the stiff side, too. So I'm kind of excited oh. about the idea of making some. Oh. Be, and I have a couple beloved... Um, sheets that I just can't part with yet. <laughs> Even though they're not complete or to be. Thank you, bitch. Um, I shouldn't use the word bitch. Sorry. Lady. Look at you, lady. Who's nibbled some corners into things? So, anyway. That's a good well, seem, Yeah, it seems like a good repurpose of something that you wouldn't necessarily want to actually put out for your guests. On a bed, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, 
So uh, the thing I will say is that, that, so the beads are, I think, good to work with if you have like little children and you don't want their hands to get burnt, then the beads are perfect because you just heat up your oven, you take out a cookie sheet, you put the fabric on there, and then you sprinkle the beads on, put them in the oven for about 10 minutes, pull them back out, and if there's any part of the fabric that doesn't have, that doesn't look wet from the melted wax, you just put more beads on top of that, and that 200 degree oven, when you pull that um, cookie sheet out, the fabric won't burn their hands because it never got that hot to begin with. Like once you take it out, it actually cools off so fast that um, the beeswax starts to firm up. So like if you want to work with little kids or you don't want to mess, then the beads are good, but it'll take several iterations of putting on the beads, putting them in the oven, taking them back out and making sure that all the fabric is covered. If you are a grown-up and you want efficiency, I would instead melt beeswax in a pot that you dedicate for that purpose and take a brush and you can buy just like a cheap brush or, um, you know, use an old, I don't know, paintbrush that you don't need anymore or whatever. Silicone brush? Oh, actually, no, you might not be able to ever get the wax off of that. I was thinking a silicone food brush, but I don't know. That might be too hard. You could. I don't know if it would spread it very well. Um, But anyway. Bristles. What? It's better to have more bristles for coverage. I would say so. Um, But then you would just like dip the brush in the melted beeswax and spread it all over. And you could do that because if you melt your beeswax at a higher temperature, it will stay liquid long enough that you can actually spread it out. Um, And that might work better. some, that way you could potentially end up with too much wax on the fabric, but the worst thing that happens is if you have too much wax in the fabric, just crumple the fabric up. The extra wax will kind of crumble, and you can just dust it off. Um, with the bead method, I did not end up with too much wax on anything because the beads, like I said, I never really quite had enough on there anyway the first time around. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that was awesome. I've used it several times. Um, and if you make your pieces big enough... Um, and this is particularly easier to do if you are doing the brush-on method. I mean, you can make pieces big enough that you can wrap up, like, a whole sandwich in one or, oh, cool. you know, something like that. I made mine just for covering containers um, and for wrapping up small things. Um, but it works really well. So, And actually, I'm going to ask you to say this because I think I know the answer, but because you use them, how do you clean them? Oh, just it's so you and I already um, for a long time, I think, have been washing and reusing our Ziploc bags mm-hmm. just so we don't like throw away the Ziploc bags. Um, and it's very much like that. You just sort of like soap and water and just like on a sponge or your washcloth, just like rub it all over the surface. And I presume that after some period of time, enough wax would come off that you can't use them very well again. You have to put more wax on, but... I don't know when that time is. When I had, um, when I bought my first, like, wax things, or the wax beeswax um, bee wrap or whatever, they said, like, use cold water just to mm-hmm. ensure you don't lose too much wax. But you have a good point. If you do, or you just by chance happen to have some warm water or something, or if it's a warm temperature, they just wears off, you're right. You can just add more wax. That's a really good point. I like that. 
Yeah, the worst thing that happens is that you have to kind of make it again. Yeah, darn it. That's fine. I'll take that over Saran Wrap any day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So those are my works in progress. How about you? Well, I, man, I do not have that much at the moment. Um, I am repurposing the red yarn that I had started with Chris's uh, scarf when I found, like, I was just taking way too long to do it. I took an entire year to make it. And in the end, he was like, well, I don't really like it. That's not what I wanted. I'm like, oh, word. Okay, cool. I'll just repurpose it. And he had, like, another vision in mind. So I'm doing it now for myself, doing something with, like, I'm going to make an infinity scarf with it now that I'm walking to work. Um, I say now that I'm walking to work. I've done it three times. Let me just calm it down. Just a, just a minute there. Um, but I do need more face covering. Um, and just wool is so much better. By the way, the mittens you made me and the hat you made me for Christmas, top notch in this nine degree minus 13 wind chill situation. <laughs> so thank you. Um, yeah. So, so we're approved Midwest approved Malabrigo Rasta is the stuff you want to make winter items from. I, I'm not kidding. It was, it's so thick but also still pliable enough that I can, like, shove them in a pocket. You know, like, they're not that, they're not so bulky that you can't do anything with it. But um, they're pliable enough that I can shove them into something if I need to. But when I put them on, they block enough wind that I can, like, walk home two miles easy. And That's awesome. I'm really happy with it. So, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I'm just making another scarf. Um, I'm trying to think what else I'm working on. I was going to probably start doing um, some embroidery. I talked about that last time because I'm just kind of inching towards, like, activities that aren't hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds weird. And then I have so many jean blowouts to repair right now. Oh, it's not good. Mama has been busy watching the Great British Baking Show and drinking wine, and I fucking blew out my own jeans from getting fat. It's not a joke. It is what it is. And also, it's totally fine if people if people have comfortable clothing to wear and they're fine with their bodies and, and however they appear in life, awesome. I my only issue is that I just didn't have anything my size. I had to go buy some things to fit my my, my winter body. My, <laughs> so I'm just like, man, this sucks. So I have a lot of things to repair. Plus, I just had to buy an extra pair of pants just to like get through these last like few weeks but um well i so i have a request for you which is that um of all of the instagram posts we have ever put up the one that got the most requests for a tutorial was your denim repair when you did that sort of like little video where you didn't quite like it wasn't a tutorial you were just showing what you were doing Mm -hmm. um so if you're gonna sit down to do that perhaps we could find a time where we could either be in the same place at the same time so I could actually help you record it or mm-hmm. one of your friends up there can help. But um, that was, of all the things we have ever talked about on this podcast, that was the one that was in the most demand was repairing denim. Well, man. Particularly the thigh blowout. Right? Like-, like the thigh and the knee. Like those are the two. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I will, I will figure out how we can get this directed and managed because <laughs> I was like, I we feel can like do it. 
we can do it. And I definitely had a, we had a repair party the other day. I say the other day, but everyone knows I say the other day as in like years, weeks. You know. <laughs> um, so a few weeks ago I had um, a repair party here, but prior to that we had our first repair party, I think in January. And um, I'd done a pair for a friend and the walking foot, when you start telling people you need to get a walking foot, it can just be a little overwhelming. So I just need to like explain that, but I can also leave links on uh for where you can get it for ten dollars on amazon or like fifteen dollars on amazon it's so cheap i mean it's probably made with tears but let's be real so um <laughs> well and some people still live in places where they have uh sewing shops those do yes. still exist like my town has one no and if you can always get it from a local shop always do because they're also going to tell you all the inter like in uh Idios- is it idiosyncrasies or is it intricacies? No, the things that are wrong with something, like the oh, like, stumbling points. I'm trying to figure out the right word for this. Um, but like every shop knows the products that they sell and they'll tell you like, oh, it's going to do this and oh, this is going to do that. So prepare yourself, you know, like so you get a little bit more help. So it's yeah. not hands at home by yourself, you know, on the range. So there is something to that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm really not working on tons of other stuff at the moment. I have a lot of projects I'm excited about starting, but I just have not done. So that's, that's where I'm going to say that sounds like a reasonable amount of stuff to be thinking about, though. I guess. I feel like half the time you're like, I'm doing everything. And then I'm like, and I'm thinking about it. <laughs> well, I'm always doing everything and I'm not finishing most of it. So that's just how that is. Different, different styles different styles um so well i'm gonna kick it off to this one what's your gold stars Uh, well it's good that you made that plural because i do have several um and i've really been uh trying to figure out which one uh i'm gonna use i'm gonna hold on to some other information for next time but i think i think i'm gonna go in this order i'm gonna go from like Gold star that is sort of, um, I'm going to go in increasing order of greatness. How about that? So wow. the first gold star is, is pretty great. Second gold star, I think, is even greater. So gold star number one, which is pretty great, um, and i got to be honest, this, probably, this is what kept me from having concussions this whole month, is the due north ice spikes. So <laughs> due north, D-U-E, north, N-O-R-T-H, um, these are a, um, what is it, like, tungsten carbide little pegs. Like, they call them spikes, but they aren't uh, actually sharp. So okay. they, they, you're not going to accidentally, like, destroy your floor or anything wearing these. Um, but they are little uh, uh, pegs, like little tiny skinny pegs that are attached to a... Um, rubber cover that fits over the bottom of your shoe and you can get them in a couple different sizes i find that they the sizing that they say it fits is a little off so it says uh, for women's shoes size five to nine you should use the small mediums they only have two sizes small medium and large extra large or as it is in french grand slash enorme (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, so they say that the smaller size is good for women's shoes size five to nine, but 
my boots are a size eight and the smaller size kind of springs off on the bus <laughs> like Ooh. into other people. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. I would recommend if your shoe size is eight or up for women's shoes, get the large extra large. And unless you are a dude with small feet, I would go with the large extra large just because it's just easier to get them on. And my husband's feet are kind of medium to large. He's size 10 and a half foot. And he said once he got the large extra large onto his boots, he's like, those are never coming off. Those are staying right where they are. Because a little bit of extra work to get them there. But I tell you, I've had the same pair of those since I started running when you and I started running together in 2011. Mm -hmm. I haven't had to replace a single spike on those. Wow. They still work. Dang. And they have saved me from multiple concussions <laughs> in the middle of winter. So, mm. can I can I add in on this? I know it's your gold stars, but I'm going to add in a possible gold star because I've only used my Yak Tracks, which that name is a little tough for me. But anyways, Yak Tracks, like I just found <laughs> it's a little rough. Mine are silicone rubber um, with like spirals. Uh, stain, uh, not stainless, but steel spirals on them. So they're not cleats. Yours are like straight up pegs cleats going in the surface. Mine is just like gripping the edges of things. But there's many times where I'm like walking down the stairs with my yak tracks and I'm like, I'm about to eat it. I need to take it easy. Use both handrails. Um, but it's amazing. Like once you live up here, once you live in this world, you're like, I'm going to need some footwear. I'm going to need some real things. But um, I love that you and I both have found our things. I just can't believe how long yours have lasted. Oh, yeah. Amazing. I okay. recommend them to anybody who sits still long enough to listen. They are really like, good. Well, and I'm impressed because I'm, I'm a little nervous about how the Yak Tracks are going to, you know, help their longevity because they're so thin and they're silicone and they're just, like, wrapped stainless. But they do have a lot of sizing options. So there is that benefit. And they're known yeah. mainly by runners. Um, versus like yours sound like all sorts of terrain like yes these are work they well they they market them to a lot of different people but yeah very cool uh, so that that's that's gold star junior gold star senior is for um i don't know when this started but um it start i want to say it started within the last month or two and it's a hashtag on instagram called meat makers of color and I, it's, that is not the whole hashtag. And I was scrolling through my Instagram trying to find the actual hashtag. I think it is hashtag MMOC or MMO color. But whatever it is, it's Meat Makers of Color. And it is awesome. So basically, um, the, the person who's been uh, running it um, has been posting not only a picture of the person who's a, a maker, right? So it's anything from somebody who sews, knits, embroiders, whatever. Um, so you see a picture of them. Um, and then, of course, you can link to them and follow them if their work, you know, is something you want to follow. And I will say that there's not a single person that they've posted where I was like, I don't really want that on my timeline. Like, I pretty much want all of it on my timeline. Um, and then there's uh, usually an introduction by the person to kind of what their experience of being a maker of color has been like. 
um, where they got inspired to start, if anybody taught them, if they're self-taught. Um, and it's just been amazing. I've, I've found a bunch of people to follow, and uh, I really cannot recommend looking that up highly enough for two reasons. One, we've discussed before that the Instagram algorithm fucking sucks. And if you do not already have people of color on your, that you're following, Instagram is not likely to recommend them to you. So you're not going to see these people like auto pop up for you. But the bigger and greater thing, I think, is sort of um, seeing the great diversity of um, experiences and perspectives and um, products that people make. Um, and it just sort of drastically expands your idea of what crafting is, what making is, what um, experiences people have. Like, it's, it's just wonderful. Um, if you are not somebody who's on Instagram, and I get that a lot of people are trying to, like, not necessarily do social media a lot. Um, the other thing is that a lot of people do watch YouTube. And something happened to me that I thought was both kind of surprising and that made me extremely embarrassed, but I'm just going to own it right here, which is that um, I went on YouTube and I looked up knitting because I wanted to see a knitting podcast. And when I got to, I searched for knitting podcast, there were a bunch of them. And I scrolled until I found one that was by a person of color. And it was So Perfect Pearls. S-E-W, Perfect Pearls, P-U-R-L-S. And um, she does, um, she spins, she knits. Oh, whoa. She, yeah, yeah. Spinner. That's what was amazing to me. It's just. And she cool. weaves. Like, she is cool. amazing. And so I was like, that looks amazing. I'm going to watch that. All I did was just watch one video. I hadn't even subscribed to her yet, which I have now, but I hadn't even subscribed to her yet. And then the next things that YouTube suggested to me were like 90% makers of color and their knitting podcasts or their crafting podcasts. So when I tell you that these algorithms are very easy to modify and the ease with which you can bring different perspectives into your um, social sphere. media and your sphere, it's like it's so easy as to be embarrassing that you didn't do it before. So yeah. number one, it pointed out to me that even though I thought that I was really reaching out and looking out for people who were different from me, I clearly wasn't because all it took was like this one person finding So Perfect Pearls and suddenly YouTube was like, oh, you want to see diversity. You we want can do more that. ideas. You're, really? Okay, we got that for you. Yeah, and then suddenly it was like populated with all these people, some of whom are more famous, like Hey Brownberry is but pretty well-known knitting circles, but also people who are less famous. Um, and... So I guess that's, it's not really a gold star so much as it is like a top tip, you know, <laughs> if you find yourself and you're like, how do I, how do I find people with different perspectives? Like, all you got to do is find one, follow that person, and the algorithms will show you more. So. That's awesome. I love that. That's that. It, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm talking over you. I'm just like, I'm absolutely sheltered 
in a lot of my social media um, feeds because it's just, it's not that I've gone to look for it, you know, and that, that's a real problem. So I'm really excited that you brought that up, that it, I, we all have the power to change our algorithm. I feel like that's another thing. Like people kind of like go, oh, it's just the algorithm. What are we going to do? You know, and no, we can modify it ourselves. Like just like anything, we kind of own it. So I love that. Yeah. How about you? What are your gold stars? So I do have gold stars, plural as well. And I'm going to be on the topic of it because it is kind of, we, we talked a lot about um, white supremacy and me handbook, which I, I want to be also honest. I have not worked a single thing on. So I need to really get on that. But I am taking more opportunities, especially at work, to take any opportunity to look at people of color um, workshops, um, conferences, as well as something that my company put on it. And full disclosure, I work at Target, but Target put on a love, it's called Love for the Community Black-Owned Business Vendor Fair. And what I think is so great about that today is that they do it every year. And they do it, I think, more than once a year. Um, but they have a lot of opportunities for different things. But this one, everyone gets pumped for. Everyone. And my office is like, you've got to go. You're going to find out some amazing stuff. And I didn't get to go last year, and I was super bummed out. So this year, I made time. So me and my boss, we even took our scheduled, like, meeting time, like our little status touch base, you know, half hour. And we decided to give it to this uh, to this um, uh, vendor fair. And when we got over there, I was just blown away by how many products I already bought that I didn't know were black-owned. I also didn't realize how many products were not yet being sold at a place like Target or how these people are selling all their products wherever they can. So some of them are already sold at Target. Some are sold on Target.com. And then others are not sold yet at all by Target. But they were invited to be a part of this kind of, you know, world. And I'm going to, I can, I got so many samples and so many good conversations, but I'm going to have a limited to three because I think people lose their minds after three. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like no one pays attention after that. So I'm going to give my top three beauty products that I saw there. Um, and then I might, the next time we record it, go through the food products because that's a whole other thing that I'm like, I, you're not allowed to like. At, at this event, the vendor fair, you're not allowed to buy products, even though they're all showing their products. And I'm like, where do I buy this? You know, like, I just lost my mind. I loved it. But I'll go with beauty products first. So one was a beauty product that I love. And I already buy. And a lot of my girlfriends buy. And they sell it at Target pretty frequently. And it's called the Honey Pot Company. Um, it is a feminine care, so a plant-based feminine care company. They do um, exterior washes, um, not douches, but like exterior skin washes, wipes. Um, I believe they also have lubricants and pads and just, you know, fun stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I had bought it because I, I bought the uh, feminine, the feminine sensitive wash. And I couldn't believe how many of my girlfriends also bought it. The minute I said it, I was like, oh, I, I you know, I really like Honeypot's uh, Sensitive Feminine feminine Wash. And a number of my girlfriends are like, oh my God, I love that too. And also their partners use it because, hey y'all, sexual health, all y'all need to get your bacteria right. So anyways, I'm a big fan. And when I walked into the vendor fair today, I saw a big Honeypot booth and I almost screamed. I was like, yeah, 
Yes, I was. So I, was like, I get to meet the honeypot. Yes, I get to meet honeypot. Like I was like, Shh. and it was just one woman there, and it was the owner, the creator, everything, and her name is um, B. Thalu Espada, which I might be saying it wrong. So her last name, her first name is B. B. E. A. Last name is F. E. L. I. U. Uh, hyphen. E-S-P-A-D-A, and she's out of Georgia, um, and, you know, this is where the witchy woo-woo comes in that I love it so much, and she, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want to say that she is this, but this is where I, I put that into my little umbrella, but on the side of her product, which, by the way, I bought it, and I was like, you're speaking to me, <laughs> but you're speaking to a lot of my girlfriends, it says, you know, I suffered with a certain thing for about eight months, and an ancestor gave me the ingredients to heal myself in a dream. I created the formula for an effective, clean, feminine wash. It worked. We launched the Honeypot Company in 2014. The rest is history. And in the end, it's, there's a lot of different treatments out there for a lot of different things or a lot of different, you know, balanced feminine washes and things. But I love that it was like how she got her message. It was in a dream for her. And everyone has different ways of working, but it's worked very well for her. So I'm really excited about it. Well, it sounds like it's worked really well for you and your friends, which is awesome too. Yeah. And I mean, there's, it's a bit of a taboo to talk about it, but now that I'm old and I don't give a fuck anymore, um, yeah, I'm going to tell you to keep your parts clean with stuff that's not soap. Sorry, guys. Like, we it, <laughs> Well, and it is true that um, when you're thinking about keeping your vulva clean, I would not recommend soak soap because that is basic. It's a basic pH. Your vulva, the way it maintains its health, is through an acidic pH. So if you are constantly putting basic pH things, you're neutralizing one of the barriers that your body has for keeping that particular body part healthy. So if you have a vulva, please don't put soap. Like basic soap all over it. Please don't. It's not good for it. No, and if I you have a penis, that's fine. But actually, and I'm gonna say same thing for penis though. Because... Well, I have to agree that you know your the mucous membranes that are you know inside the urethra don't go for soap either. So if you can find a wash that keeps you clean, hygienic, but not not fighting with your natural you know, pH balance and not fighting with your body's natural systems for staying, you know, with the right microbes, great. But don't put, it's not soap. It's not bar soap. Don't do it. It's not Irish Spring. <laughs> That's not what it is. Oh, God. Irish Spring's the worst. That thing is meant to, like, burn. Uh, it burns your skin off. It burns your skin off. I was like, it could probably take off laminate flooring. Like, it's terrible. Do it. And the smell, the minute I smell it, I'm like, you're a dirty boy. <laughs> There's, if I smell Febreze or Irish Spring, you're fucking done, son. I don't like it. Sorry, I immediately am like bothered. I'm like, something real wrong in here. Anyways, okay, back to good things. Gold stars. Okay, second gold star is to Ambi. A-M-B-I. Um, Ambi actually had some formulas for um, hyperpigmentation. They've been running out, I believe, out of, I think this is Zimbabwe. I'm really sorry if I'm wrong on this one. But they've been running that formula for a pretty long time of certain things for pigmentation, which is basically like whenever you get a star from like 
a zit acne. or from acne. Yeah, like sometimes you get hyperpigmentation because it's a part of the healing process. But for some skin tones, it can be way more intense. And so this hyperpigmentation um, or fading cream is something that they really specialized is. And now they have a lot more products. Again, sold at Target um, in a lot of different uh, regions. So I, I'm not sure if it's full store, like full chain. But I was so excited about it because as we were talking about the fade cream, I was like, you know, I really don't need any fade cream. And he's like, he's like, I understand, like your skin tone probably doesn't need it, but we do have other products now. And he gave me a full size sample of even in clear exfoliate wash, which is essentially just, it's, you know, it's got the um, salicylic acid. Yes. So it's it's good stuff. It, it works for acne and especially like depending on like where you are in a hormonal cycle of things like you might need a little bit more but it's got you know a natural exfoliant in it i'm just thrilled to buy another product that isn't saint ives or neutrogena which i'm a big neutrogena fan but it's really important that every day i work with more products that are not just developed by giant companies and mm-hmm. white so i was really pumped to get that and then he also gave me um, their black soap shea butter bar, which um, it's, I say black soap, not for black people, y'all. It's just a color black, <laughs> but it's made with shea butter, but it's really good for aging skin and dry skin, which actually a lot of white people, I know you don't know this, but you ashy. So just careful with that. <laughs> no, and I'm serious. And the older we get, the less moisture your skin holds. So I'm really excited about the uh, black soap that he gave me. And then Oh, man, I want to, like, say two more, but I won't. Um, We're on a time crunch. I know. And by time crunch, I mean we want to hold this to an hour. (laughs) Okay, so the last one I'm going to say is it's 103 Collection. I just have a pamphlet here. Um, But it's reserved for the distinguished individual. I like their, their, their call out on it because they're really trying to, like, aim for a certain market. But also, it's vegan organic products, and they're already being sold in a couple of places out in California. But what I love about it is that it's a lot of, like, beard oils and treatments, stuff with tea tree. Um, and when I was talking with the representatives there, they were killing it. They were giving me so much information about, like, how you apply beard oil. Like, I don't have a beard, but I want to give it to my partner. And he's like, you got to do it from this side up and this way. And like, you don't never dry your beard this way. That's going to cause more issues or, you know, beard roof is the, they said that a few times, but it was just really important because I think a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the products that are made for people of color can actually help a lot of people of all colors, but there's whatever, for whatever reason and the way that we handle things in our world at this moment, we don't hear about them. But it doesn't mean that people don't have fine, coarse hair that aren't just, you know, someone of color. Or maybe they have sensitive skin. Sensitive skin is the biggest, I would say it's one of the biggest categories um, when dealing with skin care, you know, no matter what race you are. So I was just really excited to hear all the things that they were offering. So 103 Collection, I was really impressed by their education. And then also that they're doing a lot of outreach work um, for homeless youth and doing they're actually like they straight up said we're doing mentoring programs and counseling programs which i was like that is a huge difference you're not just like oh we're dropping some money off like no they're talking about like how do we get these kids integrated or how do we provide opportunities for people i was really into it that is awesome 
Yeah. So I'm sorry. I have so many more I want to say, but I won't. Oh. But we're going to podcast again. We, we can hold those for the future and we can include links in our show notes for things that we did not have time to talk about today. So nobody has to wait around. We can just post the links. So um, it's a good segue to wrapping it up and saying goodbye. Yep. Sorry, guys. We went a little long. Okay. Um, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. So um, we will post links in our show notes, and our show notes can be found at stitchcraftsisters.com. You can also find us on Instagram as Stitchcraft Sisters, and we are on Ravelry under the Stitchcraft Podcast, but the, the place that you find us the most easily and that most people find us, I think, is Instagram. Um, we always try to put links for the products that we talk about or the processes that we talk about in our show notes. So if at any point you want a link to something and we forgot to put it in there because it just, you know, slipped by us, um, please either comment on the website or um, post on Instagram and we will see it and we will fix the problem so that you have the information that you need. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening and um, we hope to catch you next time. Indeed. Bye. Bye.